0: Hi and welcome to a new episode of The Walk, I'm Father Roderick and it's a Monday morning, uh, blue skies, it's chilly, temperature is around 6-7 degrees Celsius, so it is, uh, it's much colder than a few weeks ago. But because the sun is shining and later on in the day they've predicted some showers, uh, I figured this may be the best time of the week to go out for a walk. And to record another episode i 'm walking alongside the church, which was built in the '50s in this neighborhood, which back then was brand new and I, I, I just did some research in a book that was written ten years ago when this uh, church celebrated its fiftieth anniversary and the book has some uh, black and white photos of when the church was inaugurated and there 's also a photo from the outside taken from about the place where I'm standing right now, and the, the trees that are surrounding the church, which are now giant trees, the biggest ones in the whole neighborhood, were just tiny, were just little, little sticks in the ground. There was absolutely nothing, and now this is considered to be one of the older neighborhoods of the town. It's, it's incredible. came across some interesting information about the, the relics that we keep in the church. I've always been fascinated by relics. Uh, little bone fragments usually from saints or certain objects uh, and uh, that are venerated in the churches because they kind of bring a certain, how would you say that, physical closeness to the original saints. And so it brings kind of history into your into your own uh, world in a way. And We have a couple of relics in this church even though in the 50s Things were changing already very quickly, and in the sixties and seventies, when this uh, church was in full use, uh, a lot of the the um, said, the old traditions and customs were were forgotten or abolished even uh, actively. And it's strange how history can sometimes swing from one extreme to the other. A lot of those things are coming back. So there used to be an old uh, in the old church, in the, well, in the old configuration of the church, there was a special chapel for the Virgin Mary, and uh, uh, the, one, one of the sacristans, or he's actually one of the acolytes, also a sacristan, he told me that uh, when he was young, uh, they removed the that entire chapel; they turned it into a like a meditation space, which was all the rage back then, and he says it's so interesting that now, like, more and more parishioners really want that to become, again, a chapel dedicated to the Virgin Mary, and uh, uh, the the same is true for a sacrament like Confession, which was almost banned, it was absolutely taboo to talk about that uh, 30 years ago, and it's, it's, it's re-emerging, which kind of makes sense, because it's been a practice for 2,000 years, so why would we we'd be worried that so, uh, something as important as that, like the forgiveness of sins, something that Jesus himself asked his apostles to do, that would, that that could be abolished like that by one generation? And so I'm, I'm always fascinated by these these rediscoveries of of old treasures in a certain way, and the relics definitely are part of that. And the that same sac, uh, sacristan told me that. Um, in one of the cabinets that we have, or one of the storage spaces in the in the sacristy, we have a big, big sacristy. Apparently, there is a cross, a procession cross, that contains relics of more than twenty saints. Uh, the cross itself, however, used to be carried around in uh, big processions, but it has um, suffered a lot uh, throughout the. The, uh, the ages and it's, it's unusable right now, it's very fragile but the relics are still in it and he was like, well I, I don't know what to do with it He was like, whoa, <laughs> I would certainly like to take a look at those relics because I've never seen them before and uh, uh, last week, and I think I shared this in uh, the break we discovered an episode, um, <laughs> an, um a relic of the Holy Cross in the sacristy and uh, which was, so I asked him, do you know where that comes from? And he says he, he, he hadn't been able to figure that out. He said it's probably a donation by a parishioner. But then I knew that there was also this document in Latin that accompanied it, which uh, is from a diocese in Belgium and has all the official stamps. So this is a certified relic. It's not just, you know, uh, a souvenir of dubious origin. And then the secretary, the secretary told me, "Well, I th- I always thought that those Holy Cross relics were bogus, and there were so there was so much wood circulating as relics of the Holy Cross that you could uh, that you could form a, a forest." And I had to tell him that that is actually something that Calvin, uh, the, one of the uh, Protestant reformers, came up with as fake news, basically. It was anti-Catholic propaganda. And it's certainly not true that um, there are more relics of the Holy Cross than would fit into the original uh, cross. It's still a a relic, of course, that would be 2,000 years old. So you you can't... Almost impossible to get absolute 100% historic uh, uh, certainty about the origin. But nevertheless those relics have always been surrounded with the greatest of care and, and, and veneration. So it's definitely something you should take seriously. That's true also of the other relics. And I'm fascinated. I was even, uh, again, tickled by by this uh, discovery that there are more relics in my church than I initially thought there were. Um, to, uh, to create something like a... a, a a series, documentary series, about this. I think this could be a fascinating topic. It would probably be very time-intensive, which is what, what's withholding me right now. But to go and look for the origin of those relics, um, it's, I, I think you could always do like a detective series based on that. And since I, I'm more and more um, thinking about productions in the future that will be travel-based, this could be one of those ideas. It could be, This could be a leading topic. For instance, we have a, in, in the altar on which I celebrate the Eucharist, there is a relic of St. Valentine. And again, the sacristan said, we always thought it was kind of very dubious because St. Valentine isn't that legend. And so I told him, well, actually, I've been to the church where they dug up the the, the tomb of, of uh, of St. Valentine and it's very well possible that back then when they opened that tomb they have also distributed some of those relics tiny fragments to churches, to certain churches or monasteries and sometimes these end up in new built churches that of course had a a, a new altar and it was customary to put relics in in the altar so fascinating stuff and I definitely want to keep that uh as as an option for future productions just do a series about relics because i it's fascinating and it could it adds a a touch of uh, indiana jones i think to the story this hunt for relics and seeing figuring out where it comes from and traveling to the places where originally these relics were discovered or found or gathered hmm definitely something i i'm contemplating and it's been on my mind as well uh uh, in, in general, um, the productions for the, for two thousand eighteen, I I actually should be super stressed right now, <laughs> because I I have a deadline later this week, for uh, another uh, TV episode about Rome, with an interview with Monsieur Sozman about um, as a train, about Fulton Sheen. It also has a. Another interview about uh, the veneration of saints in the Catholic tradition and a documentary or report on uh, a visit of uh, a group of 50 theologians, young theologians, still students of theology, that uh, were celebrating their jubilee year in Rome with a pilgrimage. And normally in a week where I have a deadline like that, I'm totally stressed out and everything just vanishes because I need to meet that deadline and um, it's happened, it has happened um, quite a few times that I wasn't even, even able to record a podcast because I, I was so busy. Um, not to mention that we are in the month of November and so this is usually the time that we are stressing out about raising funds and planning the next year and um, trying to to do a lot of things that we, we planned to do but couldn't realize and Usually the the later in the year, the more stress it gets. And strangely enough, I am relaxed. I'm very relaxed because I have much more control on what's happening than ever before. And uh, that control is thanks to a number of decisions that I took. The first one, when when it comes to editing this TV show, I've decided already two weeks ago, feeling um, a bit... I, I, I was... I've got this strange problem that I I think I've already told you about. It's this chronic fatigue, where in the afternoons I will get so tired um, that I need to lay down and sleep. And and this is not just, you know, every once in a while, but almost every single afternoon by now. So it's, of course, not normal and could indicate a, uh, a lack of vitamin D or something that is... Also, a, a, a problem that several family members suffer from um, a lack of vitamin B12. This could be linked to um, the the system not being able to to uh, generate B12 itself, and so you need injections or supplements for that. So it could be that. Could also be an iron deficiency. Thing is. You only know for sure if you go to see a doctor, which I did, and he ordered me to get a uh, an exam, um, a, a to get a bl- blot sample at the local uh, uh, hospital, and then we'll, we'll we'll take a look at it and see what's what's going on and what's lacking. But knowing that that wouldn't wouldn't be something that would be fixed uh, in a day, I decided um, already in an early stage. You know what? I am going to um, outsource. The editing of this episode, and I will do what I what I can do. Those two interviews, that's relatively straightforward in terms of editing. But the whole segment about those students, I'm just going to hire an editor, and we'll just let someone else do that. And I'm so glad I did, because not only does it save me literally days of work, and uh, it, it, it's it's not just the work; it's also extremely intense intensive work. It's, it's, it's very kind of creative thinking and you have to... I have a whole bunch of... uh, like a few hours of footage. But... and I have like an outline of a story but then putting that together in a way that is, you know, watchable, that that is a lot of work and it's uh, it involves a a ton of decisions which is draining. And so, I'm glad that I am now at the (laughs) level that I can just pass that on. And I, I know that I... I, I'm very good at, at filming, at, at coming up with a story, but the editing process, there are people that can do that much more efficiently than I do. And uh, I just need to kind of take the decision to spend some money on it. But it, it frees my mind and it, it frees up energy or it saves energy that I can deploy in other areas, like, for instance, recording this podcast. So, and it is, it's night and day in terms of uh, this, the, the stress that would normally come with a deadline like that. So that's a good sign because I've decided that this is something I'm going to do standard next year. So whatever uh, bigger video production I'm going to make, the editing process will be outsourced. That also means that I have to budget for that, but that's also part of you know, a, a, a priority setting. And it's usually where your money goes. It's like where you, where you spend your time in, in your calendar that, that betrays your priorities, your real priorities, not just your dreamed <laughs> uh, ideals or, or priorities. But it's really where, where do you spend your resources, your time and your money. That shows you where your real priorities uh, lay. And so uh, prioritizing... My, uh, my, my balance, my health, um, and also creating creative margin where I can just be creative without being stressed out by all sorts of deadlines. And then allocating some resources to uh, other people that can do uh, uh, certain tasks for me that I know is a good decision and will certainly help me to To be more productive and to to make better stuff next year and to stay healthy in the process which is also quite important so um, that's a big thing another reason that i'm much less stressed than ever before is um that we have been working really hard on on um uh, thinking through the the workflow um when it comes to what i do of course you've got your personal workflow what do you do with your inbox and requests that come in? And of course, the first question, before you start even to organize, the first question you have to ask yourself is, what is my mission? What is, what is uh, my vision also? And with, if you know what you do and why you do it, it becomes much easier to sift through whatever, is, whatever life throws at you. And so, for instance, I know a couple of months ago I decided to not do interviews and not do any talks until the end of the year uh, because I wanted to focus on to do the things that I really want to do where my heart is to do them well. I knew that I had to cut back on other stuff. And so knowing that I don't do interviews made it so much easier to get rid of all those requests. And um, it's, it's based on... This idea that I will no longer be led by just opportunities, but I want to I want to make decisions myself about what I what I think is my mission, and then I can always do some extra things. But it's it can never be leading. It can never take away energy or time from uh, the things that are truly important to me. This this weekend I I uh, did a homily about. Uh, um, a, a famous gospel story that Jesus tells his his uh, apostles about the, uh, where he compares the kingdom of God to this this wedding procession, and uh, there are ten girls waiting for the, bride, the the groom to arrive, and five of them are wise and they have taken with them not just their lamps but also extra oil to burn, and there are five uh, girls that are more like, well, we'll we'll see, you know, we'll we'll wing it, we'll see. And then they have no extra oil, and in the middle of the night, of course, the groom, bridegroom arrives, and uh, and then there is this kind of jarring passage where the the, uh, the the not so smart girls ask the other ones, "Can you give us some of your oil?" And then the uh, smart ones refuse, which is always a bit strange because you think, "Well, isn't isn't the gospel about sharing and helping others?" But I think in this case, in this story, Jesus wants to convey that these um, uh, girls have made, a, have asked themselves, who is more important? You know, what, what's the priority here? We are here to make sure that the the, the bride and the bridegroom um, can get to the party. That's why we need those lamps. We can't get lost in the dark. So they are the most important people in this situation. So we, our oil is for them, and so yeah, of course we, we'd like to help these other girls, but we'll just give them advice to go and and buy some oil elsewhere, and then it's up to them. That's their responsibility. So this is actually a, a, a good example of the choices that you have to make in life as to what, you know, who do I do this for? Whoa, this, <laughs> this is shaky i'm walking around i'm i'm here oh this is decomposing i'm on this wooden uh uh, how'd you say this it's a path on stilts almost across this uh, swampy area um and uh the it's very humid here because there's a, a a pond on my left and this is deliberately left uh, in its original uh, situation. So it's, uh, this used to be a swamp. And surrounded by you know, a regular neighborhood where everything is now uh, concrete and roads. But this part is not. and then, But in order to be able to walk here, they've created this uh, path on wooden stilts. And I guess that some of those are starting to decompose because of the humidity. And so I was walking there, all of a sudden the floor starts to move. It's like, whoa, is this still safe? Um... But I, I, so I shared with my, my parishioners that in, in life, but also in our parishes, we are confronted with a similar situation where we will get all sorts of requests. Can you help us? Can you, can you g- give us some of your time, your money, etc.? But the question that we need to ask ourselves before we decide wh- where to spend our resources is who is the most important and what is our, what is our true mission? And you can't do everything. Good morning, and it's uh, it's definitely an important life lesson that I've learned myself. Is you are not Jesus, (laughs) and so you don't have unlimited energy, unlimited love, unlimited time, unlimited patience. Um, So, in order to spend your resources well in your life, um, and this is also true about you know time and money. You always have to ask yourself first, what is truly important. What is my first calling? And you can never forget that. You cannot sacrifice. Uh, in in this situation, you can't sacrifice the bride and the groom and, and their big day to five not so smart girls who were kind of lazy and thinking, well, you know what? We'll we'll figure something out with that oil that we don't want to spend money and we don't. We'll, we'll just go and we'll we'll see that's their problem that's their responsibility and you are not always the one who can solve who should solve other people's mistakes so in this case uh, I, I applied it to our parish life and I said you know when, when we built our churches here in the city uh, that was in the in the golden years of, of the Catholic church in the Netherlands and we had thousands of missionaries all of, over the world every parish had two, three priests uh, it was a totally different situation. And we thought back then that we, we could and should do everything. So we had schools, we had hospitals, we, we had politicians. We tried to influence and steer everything in society. We, cre- we created this big you know, Catholic world that took care of everything and that provided everything to its members. Well, we are no longer living in that time, but sometimes we still have that mentality or even that... of bad conscience that shouldn't we do this and shouldn't we do that and before we know it we are uh, diluting everything we have without getting without making any progress so if you decide for instance that you want to allocate more resources to uh, helping young people and developing pastoral care for teenagers and for students then you will have to stop doing other things You have to, if you need money for that, then you'd have to ask yourself why do we still spend the majority of our budget to buildings? And we have, we know that we have too many of them. And to, for instance, choirs and everything that has to do with liturgy. We're spending a fortune on choirs and directors and um, uh, musicians. But for who? Not for the people. That we, we tell ourselves should have priority. That is the younger generation that needs to take over. We don't. It's not their music. They hate it, actually. So, isn't that a weird situation? But then we think, well, this is what we've always done. So, well, anyway. That, of course, that entire question also uh, is a question I have to ask myself when it comes to the next year. And when it comes to Tridio and the work that I do is I, I have had many years, and those of you that know me very well have witnessed this time and again, where I always felt that I should do everything and then some. <laughs> and I would be involved in a thousand projects. And, um, and I have had years where I had uh, unlimited energy. It's incredible. But now that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going through, especially this time where I don't know exactly what's going on. It's definitely not, nothing serious with the fatigue. Or at least, well, I assume it's nothing serious. It's fixable. But I know that I have to make choices. I have, to, I have limited energy during the day. So I have to decide where to spend that energy. But that's not necessarily just a problem. It, can, it is also a help for me to decide... Um, and to think more about what is truly a priority. And what is worth my time. And for 2018... Um, last Friday, we came together with uh, uh, Inge, the producer of, uh, of many of the shows that, that I do, as well as Terry, who is uh, a listener to these, to these podcasts and works in the Netherlands. And he helps uh, companies with their workflow. And uh, uh, he does much more than that. And he's volunteered a while ago to help us to improve the internal organization of the work that we do, um, which is help that is in- incredibly valuable because it's not something that I have ever learned. I'm more of the creative side, and I, I have learned theology, of course, and uh, uh, also I've got a, a pretty solid um, formation when it comes to the production of media. But when it comes to the organizational part of, of our mission that is definitely something that I don't know much about with with as a result that I've always made mistakes in that area by not planning by not um, prioritizing etc so this past Friday we sat for uh, an entire day working through the plans for for the end of this year so what what do we still think we need to do and we just started to make an inventory of the things that were in my in my head, some of them I had written down, but others were just in the back of my mind. And then I, I just see with my own eyes, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I had something stuck in my throat. Um, how much I'm again over over uh, scheduling, and I'm I'm the the things that I've committed to or that I want to commit to that list is like four times as long as it should be, and that is humanly possible. So, of course, if you want too much and you don't have enough time or energy, then you get frustrated and you create stress. And if I know if if there's something that is diminishing my productivity even more, it's stress. So that was the first step. But then, it was, okay, on the basis of this, what needs to be moved to the next year? Which projects need to be... Eliminate it, because well, you have to choose, and uh, and and what, on the basis of your priorities and your mission, is something you want to really plan in, and is that a realistic? Is that realistic? This is a um, bright green garbage uh, collector, and our our garbage is uh, we have to put them in. Uh, blue plastic containers on the side of the road and then they have this ingenious crane system that will lift them up and empty the garbage in the in the big green container and that's the sound you hear and I think the blue ones are actually for paper it's all uh, separated into various categories so if you've got paper you've got the gray ones that's for general waste and then we've got green containers for Whatever is organic and can be reprocessed. So, um, with that, and then Inga arrived, and uh, we uh, we kind of listed the things that that we think are possible for the next year and are feasible, and also would match our mission. And that was so enlightening. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what those uh, what those plans are in a minute. But first, we also. Uh, knew that we had to somehow organize the work because it's no longer just me who is involved in these productions there is also pre-production, post-production and the more people get involved the more important it is to get a good idea of who is doing what and where, what the status is of certain projects especially if you do the bigger things but even something as simple as a podcast you're listening to this now and right now I'm the only person involved I'm walking around here with my recorder on the streets of Amersfoort. I'm crossing a bridge. Now I'm going to cross the road and go to the left and walk alongside the harbor here with all the boats. We even have a pancake boat. I'm not kidding you. I'm walking towards it, and in the inside you can eat pancakes. (laughs) It's a restaurant. Um, But the fact that you're currently listening to this is because after I've recorded this, it's put online i I post it in a dropbox i create some show notes and a title and then inge steps in she takes over and makes sure that that mp3 gets tagged if necessary whatever editing needs to be done uh, she's taking care of that we add a picture then it is posted on the servers that will distribute this and it's also um, added to the RSS feed which is then made available so you can capture that and then even after that after you've listened to that there's this whole process of um, taking, keeping an eye on the downloads and the, the trends and uh, who is listening to this and so you've got the statistics that give us valuable feedback on um, on, on uh, how we're doing and, and how the, what the status is of these shows. So that is a process that is actually multi-layered and if you just wing it um (laughs) if you're just doing a few things you may get away with it but if you truly want to uh, grow an organization and 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 life gets more complicated you need to have a good system where uh, all the tasks that are involved in in running a media organization um are, are, um, are being monitored and can be steered and can be managed. And so uh, for a while we've used um, a service like Team Week, which gives you a graphical um, display of your week with, uh, with these colored bars. But that's not enough. Um, you have to use it in conjunction with a to-do list because you've got a gazillion tiny little things that need to be done. But then those to-do items also need to be somewhere on your calendar. So you also need a calendar. And all of that has to also be integrated. And then we have all our conversations and uh, all the the communication that is taking place between the people that are involved in, in the production of this stuff. So we're using Slack for that. But then ultimately, of course, you want to have all of that integrated in one system. And so for the project planning We've used Trello for a while, but we quickly discovered that we needed something even more advanced because there are some of these processes, especially when it comes to video production, are quite complicated um, and involve many people, and Trello just very quickly starts to um, become unwieldy almost. And so we've we've switched to another system that Terry uses uh, uh, for his job, and I forgot the name, but... It's not, it's not really interesting, but it, it took us a, a couple of hours to, to kind of set that up and get to know it. And what I love about it is you put everything in that system that you're doing, every step in the process, which is also quite useful to understand and realize how much work is truly involved, how many resources are truly involved in the plans that we make, which makes it much easier to... Do a realistic planning that is based on fact, not just on intuition. And, uh, and of course, all that is also to, to enable a certain margin before you think that <laughs> our entire, you know, a tridio is in, in podcast production and videos, it's just turning into this machine in this totally automated, strict, inflexible system. Uh, it's starting to rain, by the way. That is not what I. What I planned for—some <laughs> things you can't plan. <laughs> I still see some blue skies, but they're not above me. It's you know, hopefully this, this will be temporary, because I don't even—I'm not even wearing a coat right now, just in my blue sweater that I used to uh, walk around in uh, in Spain. Anyway, so—but uh, one of the ways, one of the advantages of planning like this is that you can also plan in margin, creative margin to do extra stuff or to just have a day where you can relax without having to panic about will things still get done because uh and that's another advice that, that Terry gave us if you plan only 80% of your time then those 20% can be available for those impromptu things that happen sometimes it's life, sometimes it's just the fact that I have to go to the hospital one of these days and get, my, you know, get that blood sample, that in, in, a, in, a, in a busy week like this, that would be a disaster. But since I've planned this week differently and I've outsourced some of the work, I can make time to record this show, I can make time to record my other podcasts, and I can go to the hospital, and it's not a problem. So it's, it has a lot of... Advantages, and it's making um, me feel much more confident when it comes to uh, 2018. I think that we are now um, at, a, at a at a stage that I didn't. I certainly didn't have it in me, but thanks to the help of so many other people, we are getting there. So, finally, let me share with you what uh, we've decided to do next year, uh, because that's immediately interesting for you so I've already uh, told you that um, uh, one of the things that I'm going to do is to bring the content that I make for in uh, that I talk about uh, in my other podcasts uh, the break and geek week uh, that we will develop a video equivalent of that or I should perhaps rephrase it I've decided to go video first in the sense that whatever I talk about, whatever I do, will be always, before I record, I will ask myself the question, is this also visual? And if not, how can I make it more visual? Without forgetting the audio uh, uh, part of it, and without uh, abandoning the, the podcast format that has been so successful for the, for the past more than 12 years now. But... Um, and, so, and I've already started to uh, do some tests with uh, that video first approach. Um, so I recorded both Geek Week and, and, um, and the break uh, last week in front of a green screen in the new studio downstairs so that ultimately we can set up a workflow where someone else will take the, the, the footage, the raw footage of those podcasts, can replace the background. The green screen background and can insert some images and very important for video can cut it to cut it down to let's say if I, if I talk about Thor Ragnarok and I do that for six minutes in the podcast, then a good editor would be able to cut that down to three minutes and that would be the ideal length for a YouTube video or a YouTube version of that review but of course it's, that's something that I can't do I, that, that is uh, too much work so We'll have to again uh, uh, allocate some resources to an editor who can do that, etc. So, um, so that's one. So every uh, everything I talk about. So the, the, the all the three podcasts that I make on a regular basis, the walk, the walk is going to stay the same. That is the, the, the. It wouldn't work if I would do that video first because then you, you'd lose that kind of free flow and the uh, the kind of the informal nature of it, which kind of makes or breaks the, the walk. So the walk, no, no change there. Um, that will be still available only as a podcast. The two other shows, The Break and Geek Week, are going to be... Uh, it's, so the content is not going to change, but the production is going to change in the sense that uh, the various topics that are part of those shows will be made available also for a video audience. And I think that that will... Um, easily double the audience for for, uh, for that content. And it will also make it uh, uh, possible to, to divide it up into several segments. And something that is also interesting for my podcast audience, it involves a few choices um, that have to do with uh, I, I want to bring more variation in the content. So it's not just going to be me talking into a microphone and into a camera, but I also want to bring in some... Uh, Some some reports, so uh, mini documentaries, if you want, Um, and I think that is going to enhance the audio uh, of the the audio version of that content also tremendously. So it's something I'm I'm really looking forward to. It's it's a it's a challenge to do that well, but I already know that it's feasible. But it will require a very carefully constructed um, uh, workflow. So that's that's when it comes to all this stuff so but basically every day if we do this well and it will take us a a, a while a couple of weeks or perhaps even months to to get that workflow really going um it but it will mean that every day there will be something on on our our youtube page and on uh on facebook hmm i can see some seagulls now landing here i'm standing underneath a small protrusion of my uh theater because it's raining and don't want to get wet I'm waiting for the rain to stop, and um, but uh, this yeah when the seagulls arrive, that's a, usually a sign that, uh, that we're we're getting stormy weather, and then they will go into the city. Um, so that that's our presence in, on social media can also be enhanced tremendously thanks to this new choice and the discoverability of the podcast as well. Because of course, in every video, we can say, "Well, if you want to hear more, just go listen to the podcast." So. I think that is a very well thought-out decision that we made. Still, will involve a considerable change in in the way that I that I produce these shows. And then um, I've said many times before I want to create more uh, content, international content that is on the same level as what I do for Dutch television. And the easiest way to do that is to to again think. Uh, in, in a sense well what is my most important audience who do I want to cater to it's not just the Dutch audience because my Dutch television viewers since the, the, the program airs in the afternoon um, are mostly old and we know this because the, the broadcast companies have very detailed research being done on their audiences and so I know that this kind of the typical viewer of my TV show is uh, 70 years old so between 60, 70, perhaps even older. And the majority is, uh, it consists of women. And that's just a fact of life. That is, that is a fact. But that is not my target audience. For Tridio, our mission is to evangelize and to connect to an audience that is... Oh, and the other thing that we know about that audience is that it is a very churchy audience. So this, this is, it consists mostly of people that go to church and for who religion is very important. With Tridio, of course, our audience is much wider and younger and we want to reach people that are still searching and are not necessarily um, believers. Is, this is a very important element of, of our mission. And so, I think the rain has stopped, by the way, so I'm going to start walking back home. Um, and the, when it comes to priorities, of course, the It's very important for me to choose who am I going to cater to first. And so instead of thinking like I've done for a while, like, well, TV is so important because it generates revenue, uh, which we can help to build up Tridio, etc., but it also is extremely demanding when it comes to my resources. Why would I put this TV audience that is very limited um, and, and very narrow and not the same audience that I want to reach with why would I put that first? Just because it's television and because it generates revenue? That is the, that's putting the horse behind a carriage. <laughs> that is not... That's, that's the world upside down. So why not think differently and think, well, who is that audience that I want to reach? What kind of content could, could do that? Uh, thinking more about, you know, instead of doing documentaries about very local Dutch Catholic initiatives... Why not go travel? I've seen with the videos that I made during, during my pilgrimage to Spain, that's the kind of content that can reach out to a much larger audience um, and that is much more dynamic and enables me to also include elements that can lower the threshold for people that are not Catholic or not necessarily, at least not aware of, of <laughs> the fact that religion could be, could be something for them, etc. So, why not choose first the audience and the type of content that will cater to that audience and then adapt it for television and that's what i what i'm going to do so i was looking at a list of potential topics for uh shows next year and i could already scratch out a number of of topics thinking well that may be interesting for that particular tv audience but that's not interesting for an international audience it wouldn't even be interesting for you that are listening to this podcast cuz it's too local it's too i don't know geared towards older people so instead of choosing like in a pragmatic way i want to choo- make my choice based on the the mission that i am I, I need to accomplish and it also requires trust it's it it it, it forces me to believe that if i if i'm obedient to my mission, to what I think God is asking me to do, then I don't need to worry about resources. I don't need to worry about reaching that audience. That is none of my business. That I need to do what I'm asked to do, and God will take care of the rest. And so that is, there's also a faith dimension to this, because it, it makes me a bit anxious to, to change my way and to make different choices. And um, in, And in many ways, I've I think this year has definitely been the year of transformation and, and choices and also of letting go of a lot of things that I thought were super important and that I should absolutely continue to do and now from a different perspective, asking myself always the question, says who? And am I truly obedient to what God is asking me to do? Or am I just doing this because expectations, because tradition, because fear? Those are all very bad factors in a decision. The only thing that should matter is what is God asking you to do? Where does he pull you? <laughs> and if that's a scary undertaking, then all the better, because it will enhance your... Uh, well, it will not necessarily enhance your faith, but it should. It is a, it's a challenge to trust that if God asks you something to do, he will also give you the the means to do it. So that is uh so and uh, thinking from this well primary audience first approach um I've decided that every show that I make for dutch television will be filmed with the international audience my primary audience in mind first and then I'm going to adapt it for the for the dutch audience and if I do this in a smart way that adaptation is not necessarily too big that can be very simple and that's something i've seen with uh, with the uh, the videos in uh, in in Spain um, I did a Dutch voiceover, but the content was the same um, in in both cases so again i I'm, and uh because I will probably have to produce a show every month, kind of ten shows perhaps a little bit more or less, but it's around 10 shows a year. That will mean also 10 productions, 10 bigger productions for this international audience, for Tridio. And that is something, and then of course I need to make sure that that is definitely catering to that primary audience. It's going to be good to watch. But it it helps also to create this workflow where um, creating a Dutch and an international version it's just a matter of a few hours more. Hopefully, that we'll we'll be able to do that. In a sense that um, uh, it it won't be this this next this other project. It was something that has been hampering me when it comes to, for instance, the documentary about the pilgrimage. I produced a Dutch episode about that. But then, in order to make to adapt that uh, uh, project for um, my international audience, I needed to replace a segment and. Uh, Uh, translate the whole narrative Uh, so that creates almost a secondary project and then of course when do I do that (laughs) so that's that's if if it's all part of the workflow then it will be done and 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 it's feasible Um, the third thing that I've decided to do is uh, the Lego project I reposted the, the video that I made about Halloween last year and also the one about uh, St. Martin. That's a, a kind of almost like a Halloween type of uh, feast here in, the, in parts of Europe where the children go from door to door to collect candy, etc. So I did an educational video about that. Both have been, again, very successful, um, which confirms my initial thought that investing in these LEGO videos is the best thing you can do because they, that content is good for years to come and it can be reused and rediscovered every single year. So it's a very good investment. I want to create um, at least one of those Lego animated videos per month. Um, And I'm thinking perhaps I will do like a half-half, one half of those videos will be centered around very central elements of the Catholic faith. I'm thinking... Sacraments would be a good uh, good uh, starting point because that's something that comes up in any catechesis um, and so it can be used on a very large scale um, so the seven sacraments and then perhaps some in, some individual videos linked to um, important Catholic feast days that I haven't covered yet so there is uh, of course Christmas I don't have a I have a Star Wars Christmas video but I have nothing um, well produced about Christmas, Advent, same thing. I've made a tiny little video, but it's not very good. Um, It's just based on photos. I can do better than that. So perhaps a few of those. And then another decision is, well, I know how much time and energy it costs to create those Lego videos. And I also know that I'm kind of hitting the upper limit of what I can do technically because I just don't have the equipment necessary to do real stop motion and quality animation. So that's something that I want to raise funds for so I can do this with a company that has done animation, high-quality animation in the past, and I want to hire writers to write the stories so that for the Lego series, I'm just... And this is definitely something for my future where I see myself more and more. I will just be the producer, in a in sense, the, the executive producer in a certain way, where I'm, I'm, I'm steering the idea, I make it happen... But I'm not necessarily the one who does all the work. So um, that's another project that I think is feasible. And if I limit myself to those monthly episodes, it's something that we can create in batch. Um, So that's feasible. And that's it. That's it. And then there is one final thing that I uh, really, truly want to intensify. And it's going to be very important next year to grow Tridio and to grow our, our community. Um, and that is to, to, uh, have these, to, to build a community around the inner core of, of our supporters. I have a lot of patrons um, that are uh, helping me and supporting me because they, they enjoy what I do, but they also uh, want to be kind of a stakeholder in this mission. But I also realize that now that I have organized uh, the workflow for next year and I've limited the, the the projects that I'm going to spend time on, I have extra time to have a conversation with that community. So what I'm going to do is, and I've uh, learned this from the minimalists um, that have this uh, similar situation where they cater to a large audience um, and, and a lot of their content is available for for anyone who wants to listen and, and, and become part of that minimalist movement. But they also have, uh, every week, they have a private conversation with their, their sponsors, with their patron uh, community. And I'm thinking, I, 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 I want to do that too. Because a lot of those patrons, I know them, because they've been commenting and they've been following me throughout the years and I follow them on, on social media, etc. Why not create a weekly Ask me anything, and I will do that for the for this the group, the community of supporters the, those that carry kind of the the weight of of the mission and I take time to to create a special special content for them, a conversation like that and um, and i've noticed just by looking at how the minimalists do it that um, Patreon now enables me to create this separate podcast feed for uh, for the patrons and I think just have this whole idea of ask me anything, um, is could be a lot of fun because then people can ask. I often get questions. So how can you show your setup, your technical setup? How do you create a podcast? Um, questions like that, but also very personal questions. Can you give me some advice on this or that, or answer this question? And sometimes it's just people. Will, so what are your thoughts about this new Star Wars trilogy that Disney has just announced the other day? And uh, can you give us like uh, your initial thoughts and perhaps a lot of that is not yet ready for 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 a real for a, a podcast or a video, but definitely something I would love to, to chat about with my core group of supporters. So that's another decision is kind of building that community around the community around the mission and the larger community and being much more in touch with that community because it's. That's, that's the whole goal is creating this, this dialogue and this to, to, make the, uh, to make sure that the listeners to the podcast and the viewers of the videos are not just um, consumers, but they can feel that, that we are there for them and they're part of something and it's, it's, it's a community. And that sounds like simple, uh, you know, basic uh, stuff. Uh, that, that every podcaster and everyone who's involved in social media should should know about and should practice hello, hi, hi but it's also something you need to um, explicitly uh, plan and, and uh, make sure that you do it because over time you take it for granted that you have that community but it's something that you have to keep on building because it's a relationship and every relationship needs effort and needs time and attention and so I couldn't be more happy with those choices. And this, is, this is, was the result of this conversation that we had on Friday. And then we implemented this new planning system to make sure that all that is part of the, is part of the, of the, of the system. Um, so it, it's, no, it's not just an idea in my mind, but it's a plan uh, that has been allocated resources and time And we can do this together with the organization and with the audience. And that makes the the chances of success much higher than ever before. That is what I wanted to share with you in this uh, somewhat long episode of The Walk. Um, Thank you so much for uh, accompanying me in this process of thinking through the things that I do and sharing this with you. I hope it's not too boring because sometimes I can get a little bit technical and Um, I cannot always immediately share everything like the details of of what's going on because uh, some of these processes aren't completely haven't crystallized or you know still need some time to mature but over time you'll you'll see what happens you'll you'll understand um, the steps that I'm talking about now because you will see the result of that so thank you so much for that and uh, of course many thanks to those of you that are supporting me through Patreon, that is going to be extremely important in 2018, um, and these, this new content, this new approach, this emphasis on the community, um, it's something that I couldn't do without that help, and so uh, thank you to all of you, and if you want to, to help me, and you have some some spare change and you can miss a cup of coffee a month then uh, I invite you to take a look at patreon.com slash so patreon.com slash that is where you can join that community of supporters and uh, well, as I just mentioned in the near future uh, it's, it, you'll, you'll you'll get a lot back for that not just the regular stuff but also something that is specifically for the, the core group of supporters All right. Thank you. And I will talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.